welcome to episode 187 of Milwaukee's Tailgate Brewers podcast, part of the MKE Tailgate Podcast Network. I'm James, joined once again by Ryan Top and Paul Noonan. Paul, welcome back. We're doing this a little early on a Sunday morning just to make sure we keep all the moms in our lives happy. So happy Mother's Day to all of those out there. Uh, belated probably by the time you listen to this, but uh, still, h- how you guys doing? Hopefully better than the Brewers in the last week. <laughs> Doing all right. At least yesterday went fine. At least Adrian Hauser is finally providing the offense we've been so desperately missing. (laughs) (laughs) Two-way player. Yep. Well, I mean, as long as he's facing that one guy. (laughs) That's fine. That's fine. That poor guy. Uh, I I mean, (laughs) I'm happy for Adrian Hauser, but giving up a a home run to the same pitcher twice has to be a little depressing. Maybe Adrian Hauser's just like swing is tailored to that one pitch and he just his eyes light up when he sees it coming and he knows he can hammer that one that one kind of pitch. That's very possible. Yeah. Too. Well, we can just hope that he ends up uh, being traded to somebody in the division. <laughs> there you go. Hopefully so. Future Cub Dan Castano. Go for it. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah. 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 All right. Uh, we have a lot of questions about the week that was for the Brewers. Probably a week the Brewers would like to forget, honestly, outside of Saturday. <laughs> but before we get to that, a reminder that you can help support the podcast by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash MKE tailgate. Two bucks a month gets you question priority here on the pod. And for five bucks, you get the minor league extra podcast with Ryan and James Anderson. Just had an episode drop last week. So check that out. You also get some reporting as eligible mini pods from Paul through the Packers offseason. Season, which has been quiet and uneventful so far. Nothing so, is happening. Very boring. No, no big rumors or events have partaking. Also, <laughs> no, no. Where did you guys see Aaron Rodgers yesterday? I think I saw him in downtown Madison. <laughs> as I joked, my kids are trying to stay up late so they can catch Aaron Rodgers as he goes house to house. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, okay. Well, we'll keep following that. In the meantime. Uh, things not so great in the baseball world either, at least for the Brewers. They hit a bit of a rough patch in the last week. I guess you could put that, say that's mildly a uh, rough patch. Uh, they went 56 consecutive innings without a lead at one point this week, which seems incredible to me. And it also felt a lot longer than that, too. It sure did. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, so, of course, hard to win games when that's the case. They lost six straight. Uh, their first real, like, extended losing streak of the season before they bounced back with that win on Saturday night we were talking about. Uh, so, I guess, let's just start here. Paul, you're back this week. Is this worth worrying about that stretch, or is it just kind of like a combination, I guess, of some starting pitching regression, some bad luck with all those one-run games? I, I, what, what's your feeling? It's not worth worrying about because, it, honestly, it's kind of surprising it didn't happen earlier with how injured they are. We, yeah. When we were talking, like when I was last on the show two weeks ago, we were talking about how the inevitable regression will come if they don't get guys back on offense, and that is essentially part of what happened. And, you know, the other part is that even their good pitchers aren't going to shut everyone out every single time. Like, I mean, Brendan Woodruff lost the game two to nothing. I, that's what are you going to do? <laughs> right. That, that, that happens sometimes. And that's what creates losing streaks is those those random losses during your good performers performances uh, teamed up with your, you know, the offenses and inability to put up runs a lot of the time. So it, it was bound to happen. Uh, hopefully they get healthier and healthier. And, you know, that mitigates against these things happening. But as long as their offense is in kind of rough shape and they're missing a lot of their big bats, they're they're prone to these sorts of things. Yeah, the thing was with this losing streak, and I'm talking more about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, they actually were improving offensively during that time period. <laughs> that were, was the weird were. part. 
is the offense was actually getting better by like WRC plus until they hit Thursday and then didn't do anything offensively on that day because they were facing Zach Wheeler. But up until that point, they were actually hitting better. They just weren't cashing in those with runs the way that they maybe had been before, at least at the rate that they were before. So it was sort of a weird back and forth. And that was inevitable. Whereas before they were getting more out of their offense production wise than really the uh, the the underlying numbers would suggest they should have been getting. Yeah. So then to have it flip and get less out of the offense than you would expect. I guess the cluster luck wore off a little bit. We needed to expect that. And yep. obviously, like you said, Paul, the solution here is the offense just needs to get better. Like they need to take it to a, a higher level just period, because even so, even with those improvements, they were still, a you know, a solidly below average hitting offense during that time period. So you need to, to get better. Definitely. That probably comes from the guys coming back. Yeah. And there was there's some weirdness in there, too. Like Freddie Peralta's start was just bizarre. Now, he gave up five runs immediately before doing anything and then retired everybody else, mm-hmm. uh, right. which is, you know, what do you, what, do you, what do you even call that? It's just a one in a billion experience. And every like they scored some decent runs in some games, but this is where the cluster luck things come into, uh, into effect. They, they put up five during Eric Lauer's start, and that's not always good enough for Eric Lauer. And um, so, you know, you, you team all those things up and it just turns into a rough week. Right. Pitching wise, it wasn't a complete disaster during that time period. It was just enough to lose. And the yeah. bullpen was <laughs> was still shutting people down. They were they their yeah. starters had a little bit of a rough go. You you mentioned Lauer, Peralta and his weird start, which we've seen that before from Freddie, right? Like him having trouble to start a game is sort of the classic Freddie thing. You yep. hope to survive that first inning and get him settled in. And then he usually can rip off, you know, three, four, five pretty good innings after that. Uh, as long as that first inning isn't too big a disaster, you get a good Freddy start. So that's kind of his normal pattern. And in that case, it just the Phillies just jumped all over him. And it wasn't like he was even missing by that much. He had a couple walks in there, but he wasn't missing by that much. And then the the contact guys made, aside from D.D. Gregorius's huge grand slam, the contact he was giving up wasn't monstrous either. It was just one of those things where everything that he gave up in that start it worked out perfectly badly. <laughs> so, it, and that's going to happen. It's, it's part of baseball. When you play 162 games, you're going to see all kinds of shit. It, it's just how it goes. <laughs> I think part of the frustrating thing too, is like the first, at least three games of that Philly se- uh, series felt like carbon copies of each other, right? Like mm-hmm. the Brewers fell behind real early uh, yep, by totally. a decent amount to the point where like you were totally just, uh, had no hope of anything good happening. And then they somehow get it within one run, get the tying run on in the ninth inning a couple of times too, and just fall just short, you know, just like Ryan said, just, just enough to lose those games, uh, but good enough, I guess, to kind of claw their way back, which maybe is encouraging. But when you drop three of those a row, Wednesday was really a capper there because they came back fairly early in that game. They were, yep. they were within one run by what the fifth or sixth inning. And then yeah. they had chances in like the seventh, the eighth, the ninth, and they couldn't cash any of it in. And that's yep. where people start to get that, you know, the real annoyance within offense is when they, they have chances and can't cash them in repeatedly. That that really does uh, cause consternation. Right. Well, I guess 
yeah, speaking of consternation uh, or just long-term worries, so we we were very excited to get uh, Lorenzo Kane, Christian Yelich back in the lineup on Monday night. Christian Yelich had, had two hits, really scalded the ball a couple of times, looked like he was great. Uh, then he landed on the injured list the next day, basically told Craig Council, I can't do this every day. You need to take me out and we need to figure this out, which is uh, pretty concerning when you're talking about a 29-year-old's back seems like he's more 39 or 49 with those kind of back issues. Right. But uh, yeah, I guess the next thing, uh, Ryan, is is this now like a long-term concern with you with something like this? I mean, he's had the, the back issues crop up from time to time, but the fact that he goes out, plays one day and says, I, I can't keep doing this. Like how worrisome is that? It's a short-term worry for sure. And it, is something that until we see him get an extended run of playing and being healthy, we're not going to feel better about in the short term, right? So we have that. As far as long term, it's really too early to say. There's lots of things that can be done. There's treatments and things. If they can work something out and make it manageable for him or figure out exactly because the thing is they don't even know what it is they don't know exactly what's wrong with him so on one hand that's a little scary on the other hand it it, at least it tells you well maybe once they figure it out they can figure out how to deal with it and it won't be a huge problem after that so i want to take more of an optimistic approach on that because it is it is a little bit scary but for the long term we just don't know we we're gonna have to kind of cross our fingers and hope that this doesn't turn into a, a debilitating long-term thing i mean back issues can shorten careers prince fielder we saw it and granted we all sort of knew based on prince's swing and his overall physique that this was potentially going to be a problem and sure enough it shortened his career by quite a bit uh i don't know that that's going to be necessarily the same issue with yelich but we are going to have to just watch and see what happens here because it's definitely a little worrisome. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I think we should be worried long term at this point. It's very unusual to have injuries where you don't know what they are or the prognosis or how long they'll last. And back injuries are one of the few injuries that can linger essentially forever. And and even when you, even if you do manage to fix it for a short period of time, there's always that worry that you know a big swing tweaks it again, and then who knows how long you're out again. Um, if you have ever had back back problems, they, they tend to get worse over time, not better. And there are things you, like I have back problems occasionally. Um, and mine actually are better than they used to be. I, I, I do more exercising than I used to. And my back injuries have actually um, not flared up in a while, knock on wood, which is great. So it's not like it's impossible to fix. But backs are bad. That, like when backs go bad, there's a lot of long term problems that can happen. And this is not a great sport for them. Like uh, swinging a baseball bat is, is a, a tough action on your back. It, it just is like golf's kind of the same way. It's it's one of those things where it's easy to tweak repeatedly. So uh, it, it's bad because usually we would have some idea of how bad it is at this point. Like it's, oh, he has a bad back. Oh, um, you know, we're working on strengthening it up. But this is like it should have improved by now. <laughs> and it is apparently the case that he came off the DL because it was unclear to him until he was actually playing a game how bad or good it was, which is weird as well. Like mm-hmm. it's really weird to have a guy come off the aisle for a day and then go back on the aisle. Um, I don't like unknowns, and so I have some long-term worry about this. I, I, I until they have better scoping about what this injury actually is, I'm going to be 
really, really, really worried about his long-term um, effectiveness on the team. Do we know, can you cryogenically freeze a back? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it works quite the same way as a thumb. No, you can't. So sick of experimental cures on our MVPs. So annoying. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I just, I'm with you guys. I'm a little worried just because I, I had the realization the other day that uh, Christian Yelich's like new money and his extension hasn't really kicked in yet. Sure so uh, seven years, 188 and a half million <laughs> still on the books. So if this is something that uh, is not easily fixable or they still have no idea what the hell is going on, it could be a, a long seven years and, you know, I guess that's that's the risk you take when you sign somebody to that kind of contract, especially when you're the Brewers. But it's also, the, you know, it's hard to see these things, uh, foresee them coming up, and you kind of roll the dice there. But, man, I, backs are, are scary, especially for somebody, you know, Paul, who who may or may not already be, like, trigger shy with the knee and how, how, how much do you want to swing a bat and that kind of thing. And, yep. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess if there's an encouraging sign, it's that even with the bad back, he he did scald the ball a couple of times on Monday <laughs> night. So there's that. Uh, you know he can still hit, but it's it's just, you know, it's hard to see how long the Brewers can kind of hang in here. And we saw this over the last week uh, without him in the lineup. So I guess that's the other thing, too. Are they realistically still a playoff team and NL Central contender, Paul, without him in the lineup for another few weeks, a month, or however the hell long it is? normally I would say no to this, but they are kind of insane. Um, and they're, <laughs> they're good at mixing and matching and their strength is their pitching. And so it depends on how you feel about the the one run thing. Like they, they got hit with regression really hard this week. I think when they get all their pitching sort of healthy and back, and they're pretty good there now, but when Burnsy's back, that they are the kind of team that can eke out more wins like that than they should, despite their offense being kind of trash. Uh, and the rest of the division's really not that good. The Cardinals have played really well so far, but uh, they are a very flawed team as well. So, I mean, it hurts them a lot. It, it, it se- severely decreases the chances that they win the division without Yelich. He is very good. He is a you know a, a three-win player minimum, I would say, when he's right, and more like a six- or seven-win player when he's really right. Um, but they're, uh, they're deep. They have a lot of outfielders who can play. It's... They're hard to project because so many of their players have played like garbage for so long now. Right. But there's underlying talent there to be able to withstand this if they get it going. And but the other thing we should briefly mention is as bad as the Brewers offense has looked and as painful as it's looked to uh, to us for a long period of time, this is not just a Brewer problem. Like, nope. yes, they're a lower half offense, but all of offense in baseball is bad. Like uh, the good teams are obviously better than the bad teams, but everybody's offense is bad. This is a mm-hmm. problem this year. Strikeouts are up more than they usually are, um, mm-hmm. and it's making for an ugly game. But the Brewers look bad, but they're really not as bad as everybody like as you think they are compared to the rest of the league. It, right? It's ugly, but it's it's ugly all around. Yep, exactly. And yeah, I basically agree with you on this. They are a weird team, and it's hard to project. And they do have some depth to work with. Uh, Tyrone Taylor, I came around a little bit. I was looking at his Statcast <laughs> numbers this week, and was like, oh. He's actually he's making. I'm, yeah. I'm continuing to say he sucks until he does suck, um, just because <laughs> I'm not. I'm not jinxing that. Um, just, <laughs> Ty- Tyrone, you suck. So. <laughs> 
Right. And, and if they can get Avi Garcia going, which is... Which he's been going. It, he was, he's yeah. been good lately. He's actually yeah. been yeah. hitting the ball hard. Yeah, he had it. What, what was that? The 41 degree launch angle home run on Saturday night, which is insane uh, <laughs> to get that to carry out of Miami's park is 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 crazy. But, yeah, if he, if he can, you know, keep it going, if, uh, you know, Jackie Bradley Jr. can keep stepping in, if Lorenzo Kane can stay healthy, then maybe they're not in as bad shape as, you know, maybe it would help to get Omar Narvaez back as well. He yeah. was really killing the ball before he got hurt. Right. Right. Absolutely. Uh, Well, I guess kind of shifting to another topic that came up early last week. You know, we spent a lot of time on last week's show uh, with Ryan and JR talking about the possibility of Keston Hira being sent down with the minor league season starting up. And lo and behold, look at what happened. Uh, Pretty much that that day uh, they sent him down. He hasn't he hasn't played, obviously, since then. Part of that, I guess, is the plan. They wanted to kind of give him a week to clear his head. He's supposed to play his first game with Nashville on Tuesday. You know, Craig Council has said he wouldn't be surprised if this is a short stay, but, uh, you know, obviously there are some things to work on, maybe even just to get the confidence back. So I guess, Paul, back to you. Are, are you thinking this could be a short stint in AAA, or are there just so many things he needs to work on? It may be a while before we see him. I'll be surprised if it's a short stint. Uh, I, there's, there's a lot to fix there, and he's been working on it for a long time. Like if they manage to get him right in two weeks, that would be a weird indictment of the last 365 calendar days or so. I think. <laughs> right. um, so uh, and uh, that won't happen. Like he's messed up. He he needs I think a kind of a total rebuild to some extent because I, I kind of get where they've gone with trying to fix him approach wise, which is you gotta you gotta lay off high stuff and concentrate on pounding stuff in the zone. But as we've discussed many times, he can't even pound stuff in the zone. Like something's very broken when you can't make contact on middle, middle meatball fastballs. And, um, you know, that's above and beyond like teaching him to lay off stuff out of the zone. Like we got to go back to basics here. You got to just pound the crap out of some easy stuff. And then we got to work on vision. And this is going to be a process. It's not going to be like, Oh, go get your head straight. This is not mental. This is, well, it's, it is mental, but there's some physical stuff here too. Um, something in that swing is really broken aside from him not seeing the ball well. And, you know, and then there's the the other half of this, which is he's still a butcher on defense. So, uh, given that he has a ton to work on, I think he'll be down for a while. Yeah, I would say it, it tends to something that's going to be longer. But the fact that Craig Council is saying it's shorter makes me think that they're going to look to get him back up as soon as they can. That they will use you know, whatever sort of positive steps he's making. Uh, to give them the reason to bring him back up. So it may be a little bit quicker than you're anticipating on that front, just if that's how they they want to handle it. But yeah, it there's definitely a physical component to this because like you said, he is not smashing balls he should smash. And when that's the case, then obviously there's something physical going on there. But there is also surely something mental and uh, JR brought it up last week, and I think it's it's worth remembering that his mom is going through something really awful right now uh, with uh, cancer, and how that affects a person is really hard to say. It's it's very individual, and how uh, how people take that and what it does to them, and so we just we don't know how much that's playing into this as well, and what kind of a factor that is. So I think that the best thing for him right now, hopefully he is just 
absolutely staying away from baseball completely during this time period and not paying any attention to it whatsoever and just clearing his head and maybe he can come back at it with a fresh perspective afterwards. But he's got a lot going on right now. And I think that us being patient with it is really the best thing we can do and all we can do is just to be patient and not give up on him. I've I've heard some people wanting to give up on him, some conversations that I've had, and it's just, no, it's, it's way too early for that. He has too much pedigree and too much too much history of being a good hitter through college and through the minors and through his rookie year in 2019. We've seen it at all levels. Yes, sometimes guys do have things go wrong and that they end up not ever being able to find it. It does happen, but it's definitely more the exception than the rule. It is much more common for a guy in Keston Hero's position to eventually figure it out and find it and get back to something like being a good hitter again than it is for a guy in this situation to just never find it and to just be done. So put your money on him finding it at least to a large extent. But the question, like I said last week, is just a matter of time. Like how long is this going to take? We don't know. Right. And, you know, with council's comments, I I wonder how much of that too is – trying to instill some confidence in him too, you know, <laughs> like he, just putting it out there like, Hey, we still believe in you. We think this will be a short stint, you know, that kind of thing. I, mm-hmm. I could see that being the case too. Just try. I, I feel like we did something very similar with uh, not to make this comparison again, but it just seems so apt, but Travis Shaw in 2019, you know, there was a lot of uh, public reinforcement going on a lot of, you know, public votes of confidence, when they sent him down, the hope was, and I think a couple of those stints were pretty short because he went to AAA and he was hitting again and they brought him back up and he just couldn't do it at the majors, right? So uh, I do think maybe part of that is, A, just trying to to show that we still have the confidence in you, right? But also, first base is still kind of a tire fire for the Brewers right now. Mm-hmm. So it'd it be really nice for the Brewers if Keston Hira could go down for two weeks, figure it out, come up, and be the old Keston Hira of old, right? Yeah, it would be. And we've seen this stuff before. I think, like, in my memory as a Brewer fan, we've seen guys who have shown promise and then found severe struggles and had to make adjustments and figure it out and then went on to have a significant run of success after that. We saw it with Ricky Weeks. We saw it with Corey Hart. We've seen these sorts of situations play out before. Everybody's career path is different. Not everybody comes up, and I think everybody was hoping that Hero was going to be more of the Ryan Braun type, and we heard people, you know, when he came up, it, the, the discussion was, well, he's the best hitting prospect we've had hit the majors since Ryan Braun. And right. that's true, but that doesn't mean that the path is going to look like that, where Braun basically hit the ground running, and he did sophomore slump a little bit, but it was still a very, very good year. It just wasn't quite as good as what he did his rookie year, what we would see a few years later. But everybody's career path is different, and you have to you know make allowances for guys having to, to go through ups and downs and make adjustments and all of that. It does make me think, though, we should have been more uh, 
I guess, accepting of Pakoda's suggestion. Remember last year? It was early on in uh, the tenure of Tailgate 2.0 when we were talking yeah. about the Pakoda projections for Casting Hira, and we, we all just kind of dismissed them and said, oh, well, they don't mean anything. We probably should have been paying more attention to that because Pakoda definitely <laughs> saw a downside <laughs> that was going on here that uh, yeah that we didn't want to acknowledge. So. Right. I'm, I mean, and we kind of mentioned it at the time, too, but players with Keston Hira's profile do not tend to project well with Pakoda. So I think mm-hmm. we kind of like shrugged that off like, oh, well, you know, yeah, he's a high strikeout guy, but he still makes a ton of contact and he hits for power. So it'll be fine. But Jonathan, if you're listening, sorry, maybe we should have bought into that a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. Mea culpa, Jonathan. <laughs> All right, so I guess I, I bring up the uh, first base tire fire again because it leads us to our first Patreon question. Comes from Jay Google, of course. Suck it, Steve. Uh, Jay's got a two-parter. His first one here is kind of tongue-in-cheek, but maybe something that comes up again uh, more and more. So when does Ryan Braun come back to play first base? Oh, I know <laughs> this is this is a topic. Ryan that... Braun watched twenty 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 one. I guess. Yeah. But yeah. I don't think that we are going to see Ryan Braun come back. I, I don't. I I think that there is a possibility. It, it still exists as a possibility. But Braun didn't, I don't think, particularly enjoy playing first base. I think he wanted to be a DH. Ryan Braun wanted yeah. there to be a DH this year. And if there had been, I think we would. there would be a much greater chance we would see him. I don't think he particularly liked playing first base. It's not where he's comfortable and... So I don't think we come we see him come back to play first base at all, period. Yeah, if it was going to happen for offensive purposes, it would have happened by now. There's been right. so many opportunities get, that the team has given to bring him in and do that. Um, and it's, it's not like it, I agree with you on the first base thing, because it's not like the first base options have been overwhelming. Uh, Braun would certainly be the best half of a platoon over there, if nothing else. And. And, you know, a good candidate for full-time if he actually would play it. And I think he's kind of always had a passing interest in defense. I, I don't think he's ever liked playing defense. He he seems, I mean, not to put something on Ryan Brown's effort, but he's always seemed kind of half-assed out there unless he really, really wants to try it in any given thing. His throws are, you know, very lazy. And um, I, just, I just think he, he, would, he likes the hitting and not anything else. So um, he can be retired and rich and happy and unless his ideal situation pops up. He's, I think, I think you're right. I think he's done because otherwise he'd be on this team. They need bats. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right. So Jay's second question then uh, might go with that first part about Ryan Braun at first base, but what's the biggest need right now for this team? And don't say health is his caveat. So Paul, (laughs) with that, with that in mind, what's the biggest need now? Is it still first base or something else it's probably still first base uh it's it's a little hard to say because they i mean it's hard to judge anything because of health so i'm not going to say health but um health has caused them to have to do some shifting around and catchers weaker than it would be because omar is out and um the outfield's weaker than it should be because yelich is out and you know some of those guys are good bench people and not necessarily great starters but the weakest starting position here is just it is first base. Like we all love Dan. He's fine, but not great. Um, <laughs> Shaw's, you know, he's been good, but he plays third base mostly. And, um, and, and there's just, 
that that position's weak and it it's one of those where it's not easy to make it stronger if it was it would be stronger already but i am surprised they haven't cycled or started started the first base rotation a little bit more and you know keston being out hurts that too although that that was i think somewhat predictable but that's it that that's the the biggest place that they could get offense um with somebody available and not that expensive is likely first base i mean that we've already seen jesus uh, on the road once this year look at him you know uh, do it doing great so uh or at least against us i shouldn't say that i haven't looked at his overall line he's having a very good year all he's right had, there yeah you go. he, yeah past couple of weeks he's found his power stroke he did but, you know, the arugula start hitting, hitting for power again yeah. and, and vogelbach yeah. can, can theoretically be one of those guys but they're out there i'm a little surprised they haven't um, started rotating a few people through but here we are so it's first base first base sucks on the brewers they should fix that yeah they need a middle of the order bat that's what they yeah. need it, it doesn't I, I don't care so much what position it comes from it doesn't really <laughs> matter they need a middle of the order bat somebody who gets on base and hits for power and you know they do have that guy on the on the IL right now. So there's at least a strong possibility that this ends up fixing itself. Sorry, Jay to, to do the uh, don't say health, but I mean, <laughs> like it kind of is, uh, but they could also add from elsewhere, you know, Trevor stories out there though. God knows what the Rockies are going to do. I think <laughs> them firing their GM or, you know him walking whatever that whole thing was they fired him but yeah that's yeah <laughs> but him him being gone probably makes it a little bit easier though who knows because the guy that's apparently running things now was it's like if the brewers handed over their baseball ops to rick schlesinger they have it's the business guy brilliant. running the the baseball ops now which seems uh-huh. very rockies and he's probably not going to want to trade away trevor story in that case Indeed. but yeah, I, the story thing remains the uh, it will be the story through the summer for the Brewers as long as they're in it and people want to to add a big bat. He would be the guy. The question is just if the Rockies are even going to do it. And I have serious doubts that they're going to. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, I guess speaking of uh problem areas on the Brewers that are still pretty persistent. Uh, Brian Polakowski, our next uh, Patreon question. Well, first half of his question is, how soon before Woodruff gets sent down to get his swing straight with no hits on the season? <laughs> this is good, Brian. That's very, very good. I enjoy yeah, that. Obviously, you know, we figured Woody would be the one uh, launching home runs left and right, not Adrian Hauser, but uh, still no hits for Brendan Woodruff. Uh, he's fallen behind on that old pitcher hitting contest that who, who had that back in the day? Was it uh, the Westover Miller? Or the Braves, okay. Yeah, the Braves was the famous one where Glavin, Smoltz, yeah, and Maddox. Yeah, Glavin, Smoltz, and Maddox. Yeah, they had their hitting contest. But I, I I feel like Ben Sheets always talked about like uh, Wes Obermiller starting that with the Brewers. <laughs> back well, Ben the Sheets day. is the last person who should ever be talking about hitting because exactly. he was ahead of his time <laughs> as far as being a terrible, horrible hitter. Right. Absolutely. Uh, so Brian goes on on a more serious note. How short would should Shaw, uh, Travis Shaw's le- leash be? Uh, he's still getting a sub 700 OPS right now, or is he safe due to so many other underperforming bats? And I guess that's that's a good question. I hadn't realized that uh, Shaw had really fallen off so much since that hot start to the season. I guess that's a testament to how how uh, the beginning of the season really sticks in your head, right? But he's been struggling for a while, Paul. It's partially that, but it's partially the fact that you haven't noticed that he's necessarily been that bad, and that's because he doesn't stick out on this team as being particularly bad. So his leash is really long, and 
it, it, until there are you know eight guys that are all performing at a halfway decent level um, to make Travis Shaw look like the bench player that he probably actually is, his leash will be super long. He, and it, he has as much potential to bounce back as anybody else on the team too. So everybody's struggling and everybody has like a 681 OPS on the whole team. So, so there you go. I mean, he's not going to suffer any punishment unless there's a better person there to take his spot. And there's really not. So it is what it is at this point. And I'm rambling now while I try and pull up his splits to see if his platoon splits are fine right now. But uh, <laughs> um, he, he's performing badly, but everybody's performing badly. So what are you going to do? That, that's just how it is. Um, and his, yeah, he's better against righties, but still bad. So 719 OPS against righties, which I don't know, still makes him a shining star on this team. It's also <laughs> worth pointing out that, yes, that 681 OPS is not great. And you look at you know, a, a line of 212, 297, 385. Anytime a guy's on base is in the 200s, I think it sends off uh, alarm bells with certain people. Right. But it's worth noting that if you look at his WRC plus on fan graphs, he's at an 89. So he's about 10% below the league average. Yeah, That's right. how bad hitting is this year, guys. Yeah. So it's really, really rough. It's such a stupid year. Yeah. And things are going to need to be tried to fix this and make things better. I do think we'll see it get better, too, as hitters start to usually pitchers are ahead of hitters in the spring. And I think with last year's weirdness and the shortened season, I think that that's compounding that issue. I think as we move into the summer, we will see things get better as hitters get a little bit more comfortable and have more reps under their belt. And also it just warms up. That will will help a lot, too. Uh, balls fly better when it's warm out, so that will help. So the combination of all those things is, but they're going to need to figure stuff out. I am fingers crossed that this experiment with moving the mound back in the Atlantic League shows some promise, and they could potentially do that at the major league level because I don't think it's that big a deal to to do that, and I think it is potentially a a positive uh, step they can take. So fingers crossed that that works out. I think also that they should accelerate robot umps, par partially because umpiring has <laughs> been just terrible, and I'm sick of it, but partially because if they put robot umps into play, they can control the strike zone to a very high degree. And if they want to squeeze it and make, make pitchers come into the zone more, they can do that if they do that. So um, it, even if they don't want to mess with the actual like logistics of the field, and they probably should do that, but uh, if, they, if they just can enforce a strike zone change, they can fix a lot of these problems too. So uh, uh, I think that might be something to keep an eye on because that will happen eventually. This is, this is all Angel Hernandez's fault, by the way. He is uh, the, the rest of the umpire should kick him out of the union because every time he umpires a game, it is just an advertisement for robot umps immediately coming in. You mean just admitting that you guessed on a crucial play yeah. in a game is probably a bad idea. You shouldn't do that. Yeah, you, you should not do that. I do appreciate yeah. the honesty of that, though, because <laughs> you would think Angel Hernandez, given his well-known, like, just his demeanor overall and how he comports right. himself and how he has such a hair trigger on ejections and all that, that he wouldn't be honest about something like that. You would think that he would, he would, if anything, lie about it. And the fact that he was honest and just said, well, I didn't see it, and so I had to guess at it, that really, yeah, did... And there's been an ongoing conversation. I don't know if you've been listening lately to Effectively Wild, Paul, but apparently there is a thing in 
cricket where umpires can basically say, I didn't see it. And then it goes to replay without having an initial call even be made. So there's been a lot of discussion of that. Interesting. Yeah. Um, also, if you guys didn't see this week, Cal Eldred was about a second from ending Angel Hernandez's life this week. Yes, he um, was. Holy as hell. Part, as part of a very, very poorly called game. Although, uh, in Angel Hernandez's small defense, one of the calls that got uh, got them mad was a balk call that was, in fact, a correct call. So, mm-hmm. um, however, it was stacked up with a hundred other terrible calls, and it was, you know, balks are always a little bit squishy as a rule, anyway. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, if you can find the video, you should. Cal Eldred really almost hit an umpire and got pulled away at the last second by a different umpire. <laughs> Did you realize that Cal Eldred was a pitching coach in the big leagues? Because I didn't until I saw that. I was like, oh, I Cal's so, pitching coach. Uh, I did not realize that. I had no idea. And uh, it was interesting when I saw it pop up. So that's why it caught my attention. <laughs> uh, yeah. Good for Cal. Yeah. Good Good for Cal. We love our old school brewers throwing down with Angel Hernandez. All right. Uh, <laughs> moving right along here. We've got another Patreon question. We got a lot this week. So thank you, guys. This one comes from Anthony Martin. He's asking, do you think once Omar Narvaez and Manny Pena return, the lockdown pitching comes back too, or are we just seeing some regression to the norm here, Paul? Uh, so it, you, you probably should credit the catchers a little bit with, or blame the catchers a little bit for this because it's not like it doesn't matter. It does matter. Uh, the good framers are going to create better pitching than the bad framers are. So yeah, it probably matters a little bit, but um, in, in, it's one of those things where it matters a lot over the long haul and, so that does present itself on an individual game level every now and then, but this is mostly probably just a little bit of regression to the mean. And um, you can really see that by virtue of the, just the number of one run games that they, that they lost. Uh, honestly, the framing thing may be responsible for more of the blowouts than the close games. Um, mm-hmm. When you, when you have, you know, the medium pitchers on the team, not getting those calls, it's more easy to fall apart. I, I kind of, kind of feel like like Woodruff can adjust and come into the zone and still dominate pretty well. Um, I do think it exposes you more to blow ups than I'm just speculating. This is all nonsense. Just ignore me. But uh, (laughs) bottom line is for for a week of baseball, it barely matters. Maybe it costs them a game. Um, But yeah, when they get those guys back, their pitching will, you know, slightly improve and improve quite a bit over the course of the season. So, yeah. Yeah, I guess Ryan. Yeah, I what Paul said, I don't think there's anything really to be majorly uh gleaned from this we would have to see it over a much longer sample to have any real feeling that it has had a major effect and remember nottingham has drastically improved as a defender over time actually he's became a better defender than offensive player in over that time so i i don't think we're necessarily seeing poor framing from mally and uh and nottingham I think it was just something that was bound to happen at some point because they were over their heads. Like they were, they were doing way better than we had any right to expect them to continue to be. So any sort of regression to the mean should have been expected. And we did expect it. Right. And I do think it's not just a, a framing question too. I think you get into, you know, like the, the soft skills of like calling a game and, and, 
comfort and familiarity too i think is maybe what anthony's trying to get at too right sure uh you, you know like these guys haven't worked as much with luke Maley. nottingham maybe a little bit more last year but uh there's not that familiarity that you have with omar narvaez or manny pina you know i think that was kind of I think Bill Schroeder probably brought that up with uh, Manny returning on Saturday and and Adrian Hauser pitching one of his best games of the year, right? It, maybe it's a familiarity thing, but it's also one of those things we have a hard time proving, so we we don't really know. But I think you guys are spot on, too. It, I mean, regression was going to come. Brewers aren't a top two or three pitching staff, I think, in the in the league. I mean, they're, they're great. They're excellent, but they were kind of pitching over their heads. Yeah. And... You know, I think we're also just kind of seeing that regression, too, because uh, they're at this end of this stretch of 17 straight games where pitching's really been taxed. So they were going to stumble along the way, too. It, it was just bound to happen. Um, part of that, too, that regression has been just like a, an alarming amount of grand slams, like. What are you going to do? <laughs> like, this is the part where, like, if you're playing the video game, it's like, okay, the computer has just determined you're going to lose, right? Mm -hmm. Like, there's yes. nothing you can do about yep. it. Um, so our next Patreon question comes from Adam Post. On that topic, he's asking, what's the Brewers franchise record for most Grand Slams surrendered in a season? And by how many will they break that record this season? Uh, so I believe Adam McKelvey already did the math or did the digging on this. He said the earlier this week, the Brewers season record is 10 grand slams allowed in 2010. Uh, not a great year for Brewers pitching. <laughs> They've already matched the record for most grand slams allowed in a single month with four. Uh, that was set in July, 2010. Uh, we're like, what maybe now just a week into May and they've already matched their uh, season or worst ever grand slam month so i guess uh, ryan how, how how many more grand slams are they going to allow this year because this is insane <laughs> okay so as i've always said uh grand slams are just home runs that know someone there's nothing intrinsically <laughs> like magical about them they just happen to be a home run that's hit when the bases are loaded that's all it is there's not something special about them whatever uh, i do want to go back to the july 2010 thing though because i'm pretty sure that i was at the game well i know i was at the game where josh willingham hit two home or two grand slams in the same game for the nats and that would have been i think in july 2010 so pretty sure i was there for for a bunch of that and it sucks it's awful uh from a fan standpoint to see it but i i don't want to read anything into it other than it's just something that happened and baseball's weird. So just to attack this with some some half-assed math, which is apparently <laughs> what I'm doing on the podcast today is <laughs> half-assed um, math. It, yeah, so uh, I don't uh, on the one hand, I don't think they'll approach the record because offense is down so much and I think that they actually won't face as many bases loaded or create as many bases loaded situations as they would in past seasons and most given seasons because guys aren't getting on base league wide as much and their pitching is good on the other hand though um council does punt on games when they get mm -hmm. out of hand and throw a bunch of garbage pitchers out there just to get through the rest of the game and those are especially prone to creating grand slams like you know you, you got the you know some some poor schmuck just called up from triple a unprepared and tell him to go out there for four innings and he doesn't have control he might load the bases a lot and he might give up some meatballs to guys so I can also see councils just style creating more grand slams than you would expect. 
So um, I'll, I'll take the over on this. I'll, I'll say that they do get over 10 just on game punting situations and a few other random things because four is a good start. So um, I think they'll, I think they'll eclipse 10. I think they'll pull it off. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we saw the the poor schmuckness. I guess with Ale- Alec it, Bettinger's uh, MLB de- debut, right? Where it yep. was like, "Sorry, kid, you're out there for two <laughs> or more grand slams. However many it takes to get you through three or four innings. Sorry, but uh, yeah, no, I that's a good point too. Like Craig does not care about run differential in the slightest. So nope. there you go. Uh, I just want to. I, I had to look up the 2010 Brewers just to kind of really relive that horribleness. Uh, I don't think they were quite as bad as the 2009 Brewers pitching uh, the Braden Looper All-Stars. But uh, Randy Wolf gave up 29 home <laughs> runs in 2010, uh, which he also threw 215 innings. So maybe on a rate basis, that's not terrible. But It's terrible, uh, just for it, the record. I, I mean, yeah, yeah. It, you also had uh, my favorite, Dave Bush, give up 28 home runs in 174 innings that year so yeah that was wash dave bush yeah Yeah, it was uh and then you also had chris narvison the narv dog giving up 20 plus 21 home (laughs) runs in uh 167 innings so yeah lots of lots of home runs being hit that year indeed uh yeah yeah i mean you also had the brewers with like four or five guys hitting 20 30 home runs so uh, a lot of high scoring games that year but Indeed. that was uh long live the ken maka era let me tell you all right um, our next patreon question comes from jesse gennigan uh hope i got your last name right there jesse but he says this may be a question only for james <laughs> but i bet if vogelbach hits one catcher with a kevin owens cannonball he wouldn't have to worry going forward about finding room to get a foot in on future home plate slides no actual question here love the show happy to be a patron so thank you jesse uh i i do think uh so for for those who do not follow the pro wrestling uh maybe as much as brad or i do uh kevin owens is a uh very wisconsin looking dude on the wwe roster he, he's not your muscle-bound freak he's got the big scraggly beard just wrestles in uh sh- basically Jim shorts and a sleeveless tee. Uh, he's a, he's a portly man. Uh, one of his signature moves is, is the cannonball where he literally just rolls into the guy in the corner and, and basically squishes him. So I love that move for Dan Vogelbach. Dan, Dan's a guy who could uh, probably pull that one off. So don't know if he's going to jump off the top rope for a, a frog splash like KO, but I think that's a start for uh, the uh, home plate collisions. I, I would like to see that. <laughs> All right. No actual question here. But, Makes me think uh, of Prince Fielder, the the bowling yes. pin celebration. Yeah. Nope. Uh yeah. Do do that. That that'd be great. That that would be awesome. And and you know every time a pitcher is sprinting over to first base and and Dan's also sprinting to first on those plays, give me horrible anxiety because I feel like he's gonna kill uh, Brandon Woodruff one of these days on one of those. <laughs> but uh, that'd be a very Brewers thing to do. Indeed. All right. Uh, keeping with the niche topics. Adam Post has a question. <laughs> Says, making sure this remains a Bundesliga podcast. Uh, I'm guessing, Ryan, this one's for you. How excited are you about Wisconsin's own Jesse Marsh being named the new manager for RB Leipzig? Did I say that right? I have no, no Leipzig, idea. Leipzig. Leipzig. Yeah. 
My German's uh, a little rusty. Sorry. <laughs> so here's the thing about this. First off, I was asked I, uh, at a, uh, a birthday celebration last night. Somebody was asking me when it came up that I have a Brewers podcast, what we did during lockdown. And I'm like, man, I don't know what we did. I think it was uh, the Bundesliga stuff. And uh, we did a, a, a live watch of uh major league and yep. we talked a lot about labor we talked about labor we, we talked, talked so a, much lot about about labor. a lot about labor yeah it so, was a labor anyway for this one um here's here's what i want for for jesse uh marsh i would like him <laughs> to be a good manager at at red bull leipzig uh but not too good because uh in about oh uh 3 years or so we need him to be on the job market when the uh, U.S. men's national team is looking for their next manager. And <laughs> he can slide into that for the run up to the 2026 World Cup, which is going to be hosted in North America between the United States, Canada and Mexico. That's what we need is for all that to line up, because right now the U.S. has a ton and I mean a ton of good young talent playing all over Europe and making a, a name and a reputation for themselves. And they should be kind of coming into their primes uh, right in time for that 2026 World Cup. And so that's the hope is that he will be there to manage this uh, this great generation of coming U.S. stars to uh, to the beautiful game. So that's what I'm hoping for. That is the plan. <laughs> Okay, well, I there's your 2026 World Cup analysis. <laughs> Bet you didn't think you were going to get that on the podcast today. No, mm-hmm. never say we're not versatile. All right, uh, I guess speaking of versatile, Hernan Perez back <laughs> with the Brewers. <laughs> Brian Polakowski uh, he, he sucks at everything. Uh, yeah, well, you know, better to be a, a mile wide than a inch. I don't know where I was going with that but uh <laughs> Brian, Brian Polakowski is asking is Steve coming back to the pod now that Ernan Perez is back with the organization Ryan have you talked to Steve about Ernan Perez okay so if if Ernan Perez actually gets on the major league roster we will extend an invite to him to come on at least for like a, a guest appearance to say <laughs> to say hey because uh yeah hernan it is his guy and in the uh the group chat one of the the group chats i've had uh steve did start posting pictures of hernan as soon as the news hit so uh there's <laughs> sure did yeah there are some there's some beefcake photos of uh hernan perez out there that, beefcake <laughs> that steve seems to have like ready to go at a, a moment's notice so we won't ask steve why those are saved on his phone <laughs> it's so easily accessible steve, but, oh, steve man. His phone, if it ever is seized for evidence in anything, <laughs> like we're talking. So Hernan Beefcake is one thing, but Ryan and I especially know there's there's a lot of other really disturbing things on Steve's there phone, <laughs> and it will it will immediately implicate him for whatever crime caused it to be seized, no matter what it is. So. They'll just be like, "This guy is too weird to have not done this crime." Yes, exactly, exactly. Right. <laughs> Oh, man. Okay. Uh, now I, I'm rooting for Ernan to be back, uh, partially because uh, third base is, is trash, but also the Brewers could use some pitching depth. So there you go, Ernan back on, on the roster. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk to Steve if or when that happens. All right. Next Patreon question, another fun one, comes from Brew Crew Fan in California. Says, since I asked on Twitter if the Cubs would consider dumping uh, 
Chris Bryant and others after they got swept by the Dodgers. I'm just here to apologize. It's your uh, fault. Because yeah. that did not happen. Yeah. So there you go. Are, are the Cubs good again? I don't know. But, are the Dodgers uh, bad? Because they're ooh. looking kind of bad. They are looking kind of bad. It's really something. I'm glad yeah. we got a four gamer against them while they were playing badly. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, that, that series uh, out in L.A. later this year, probably uh, going a different direction. But yeah, caught him at a good time, at least. Yep. Also weird how the Brewers seem to be doing well against the NL West, but uh, totally sucking against the East, which seems like totally inverse of what we usually see with the Brewers. <laughs> That's but, true. Like, they usually again, struggle out West. Yeah, yeah but again. The East is pretty tough this year. I think they have it depth yeah. out there that out West. There's two good teams and everybody else sucks. So well, that's true. Well, the Giants are twenty and thirteen. So <laughs> who knows? Yeah, but that's yeah. that's just a fluke. Like, there's no way that's <laughs> that can't be real. Yeah, and and just to get this on the recording before the Brewers lose another series to the Marlins, I do think the Marlins are are like a sneaky solid team too. Mm-hmm. Like they any are. other division, they they'd are. Be, they are. They'd true. be a, a dark horse playoff contender. I mean, I. The young pitching that we've seen in the last couple of weeks too, uh, just just really good. So uh, they'll be annoyingly competent for the rest by, of the by division. The way, there, yeah. Just for the record, the Giants are actually underplaying their Pythagorean record at the moment, not overplaying Ooh, it. I still so don't just, believe it. I just, I refuse just it out there. to believe it. I mean, Buster Posey yeah. and Evan Longoria finding the uh, Fountain of Youth is not going to last for 162. There's probably no not. way. Probably not. Just just saying. Yeah. they've earned their record so far they've actually been a little unlucky just wait until they get madison bumgarner back (laughs) for the the stretch run yep need that bat in the lineup yeah exactly all right uh that's it for patreon questions we did also have a twitter question reminder if you're not a patron you can still uh shoot us a question that's at mke tailgate we put that call for questions out every single week you can also follow us all individually i'm at james l ryan is at rd top paul is at badger noonan uh so our twitter question this week comes from steven winker uh this is kind of a fun one uh, and maybe more for you guys because I, I don't know if I can answer this, but oh, he's asking. I, got it. I just got to find the right ear. Yeah, I, I've got right. mine. He, I have. Okay. I, I, like, I researched. <laughs> we do the minimal amount of research here. At least Paul does. So there you go. Uh, so, so anyway, Stevens' question: What is the worst Brewers road game you've ever attended? Uh, good week to ask this question. I think. Uh, Steven says, for what it's worth, he was at the Friday and Sunday Giants games in San Francisco in 2014, where they lost 13 to two and 15 to four, respectively, Uh, maybe not so respectively. Uh, It also led to a huge slide that knocked him out of first in the division after being there all season. So, yeah, that that would be a a strong contender for worst uh, Brewers road trip. I guess, Ryan, uh, since you've got yours top of mind. What's your worst Brewers road experience? So I don't know if I've seen blowouts because this game isn't a blowout, but the combination of all the things, uh, April 9th, 2005 at Wrigley Field, went with Steve. It was, according to this, it was 42 uh, degrees at game time. And if anybody has spent time at Wrigley, they know it can be a lot colder than that, especially if you're not in the sun. So it was uh, it was objectively awful. Forty eight degrees at game time, apparently. And it does say sunny, but we were up uh, in the back end of uh, the upper deck. And so we were right in a wind tunnel. So the wind was whipping through. Jeremy Burnitz hit a home run off of Ben Sheets 
uh, in that game, and that was really annoying and awful. Uh, there was also this moment early in the game when Carlos Zambrano, so it was a Zambrano against Sheets start. Ooh, there was this moment early good. in the game when it looked like Zambrano was hurt, and we thought he was going to be coming out of the game, and then he didn't, and he went on to throw uh, seven and one-third uh, scoreless innings. <laughs> so that sucked a lot, and the Brewers ended up losing 4 nothing. It was cold. It was awful, and uh, it was a long, long day because we were also down there to see a concert, <laughs> and uh, that night on the way back from the concert, we got pulled over by a cop who couldn't identify uh, the difference between our car, which was a like 1991 Toyota Tercel, and some car that was going like 100 miles an hour past us and went around <laughs> us, and the cop pulled us over instead of this other car, obviously wow. missing the which car he was pulling over <laughs> and he right, said God. i had you at 91 miles an hour and steve literally looks at the guy and goes officer this car doesn't go 91 <laughs> <laughs> and uh he didn't take kindly to that and it was shining the light in uh both of our faces and getting very uh very cross with both of us because we're like literally uh, there's no way this car could go that fast it does not go 91 miles an hour it's no it, it does not it, it just this is a four-speed car like this thing basically has a, a lawnmower engine in it there's no way it goes that fast but uh yeah um that that was uh it was quite the uh the overall eventful day we'll just put it that hey, way that sounds fun um, mine, mine was uh, April 3rd, 2008 at Wrigley. I used to live right by Wrigley Field. I went to a ton of games there. And my strategy for going to games at Wrigley Field was to wait until the second inning started and then uh, walk out to the corner of Sheffield and, and Clark, or Sheffield, sorry, Sheffield and Addison. That, that's what I'm doing. And uh, go to the various ticket vendors and say, I'll give you five bucks for whatever you have left. And that would always work. Um, this game in particular was a poor choice for doing that because... Um, as, as I got my, but I think I met Andy at this game too, by the, not met him for the first time, but I, I believe I attended this game with Andy in some capacity or he went to maybe not with me, but, uh, anyway, I got my tickets. We're walking in, uh, we get into Wrigley. We see the TV look up. It is six, nothing, uh, Cubs are up <laughs> and it, it is not the second inning yet because scoring six runs takes a long time. This was a <laughs> Jeff Supan start and Jeff Supan would go on to, give up 11 runs in four innings and uh, <laughs> the Brewers would go on to lose this game 19 to five. Um, and it was painful the entire time we left in like the sixth or something. We did not let this go very long. Um, and yeah, it was just, just, uh, just brutal. It's off. It's bad when the game's over before you actually get to your seats. Don't, don't let that happen. Keep an eye on the score when you're buying your tickets. Yeah, Cause you can always, you can always bail and go do something else. Uh, On the plus man. side, Ricky Weeks went two for four, so nah. <laughs> with, with a walk. So, so Andy was happy at least. Yeah. That's good. Okay, uh, I I was worried when you were mentioning 2008 at Wrigley that you were like gonna say you were at one of the Eric Gagne blowups in uh, Wrigley, but uh, no, that that's even worse. Seeing a Jeff Supon start, I yeah, just don't do that. I don't know why. No. I, did that. I should have just looked at who was pitching and not gone. But here we are. No, I, I don't think so. I mentioned I don't think I've ever gone to a Brewers road game, but, uh, you know, having lived hours away from Milwaukee for a long time, usually what I, I do is, you know, pick a weekend I can go 
not knowing who's going to be pitching and like without fail, I always got like the Chris Narvison start or the Zach <laughs> Davies start or the Jeff Supon start. And yeah, that, that was not fun. So uh, yeah, I, I don't knock on wood. I haven't been to a game where the Brewers were totally blown out yet. By the uh, way, this was Derek Turnbow also gave up six runs in this game. So, ah, um, you got all the good stuff then. Yes, That's it, great. he gave up six runs in point two innings. So uh, <laughs> good, good performances all around in this one. Yikes! Look, all right, yeah. Uh, that's a good question to wrap up on a, a reminder. You, you can sign up to become a patron at patreon.com slash MKE tailgate two bucks a month uh, at the very least gets you question priority here on the show. You can tell us what to talk about. Basically, that's my sales pitch. And we actually got a bunch <laughs> of new patrons in the last week. So, Ryan, you want to shout out the those folks that joined us in the last week? All right. So we've already talked about Jesse Gennigan, who joined this week. Uh, also, welcome to Nick Hoover. Josh Gosser, not not that one, not that one. This is G O S S E R. So <laughs> okay. different, different guy completely. Um, Good luck with this one, Ryan. Yeah, I was working on this before. Now it's like gone out of my brain. Uh, Thomas Syriox, I think, is the correct way to pronounce that. Sorry, Thomas, if go. I screwed that up. Brew fan in California, also longtime Twitter follower and uh, interactor on on Twitter. And uh, a welcome back to uh, Senor Bob, who rejoins Thank us you, after uh, uh, dropping out, I think, around the time of uh, Tailgate 2.0 starting up. Yep. So, yep. Welcome back, Senor Bob. Thanks, everybody. Yeah. Thank mm-hmm. you. We were, you know, Ryan kept giving us these updates throughout the week, and it's awesome that all of you uh signed up so thank you very much for that we appreciate the support a reminder again patreon.com slash mke tailgate two bucks a month gets you the question priority five bucks a month gets you all those extra podcasts as well so please do uh go and sign up if you are interested and able in the meantime that'll wrap things up for this week please do not forget to subscribe to our podcast whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, anywhere else you get those podcasts, hit the subscribe button. And while you're there, please do leave us a review. Let us know how we're doing and help other people find us. Uh, fingers crossed this next week will be a better one for the Brewers. We'll see how it goes. Uh, but we'll be back next week. In the meantime, stay well. And we'll see you next time on Milwaukee's Tailgate.